Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, happy holidays. Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, podcast about the tattered remains of the Atlanta Braves farm system. With me as always, my co-host, Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, how you doing? I'm just out here. We're just kind of celebrating. I mean, got Mitchell Tolman going to be playing shortstop for the Braves next year. And the, <laughs> the, the, the excitement is palpable. Wow. You, so that's a bold prediction. So Tolman, you think Tolman will um, will uh, take the spot instead of uh, Hoy Park? I mean, that's obvious, but I mean, uh, I guess Hoy Park has an opportunity as well to maybe chip in a little bit. I mean, it's all about Mitchell Tolman. Right. You know, they've got to just say everybody's got an opportunity at the spring, at the start of spring training, but we know we know how this is going to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, yeah it's been an interesting uh, few weeks since the last time we put on our little show. The, there's been a few things happening out there in Braves country, some of which um, affected the farm system and <laughs> taking a few players out of the farm system. And uh, now that it looks like some kind of uh, the farm system looks like some kind of Mad Max type hellscape. <laughs> <laughs> now there, I mean, there's some good players left in there, especially some of the up and comers in the draft last year and some international players, but like the ones who were at the top of the uh, top farm system rankings, uh, many of them are no longer in the system now. And you know what? It's not a Mad Max hellscape. You know, Rome has some lovely restaurants, and Augusta has a thriving social scene. Well, there's also Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) You would know more about to me. I don't know about that one. Hey, there's a Bass Pro Shop across the street from the stadium, so... Well, there you go. Culture is where you find it. I've seen the Mad Max movies, and I didn't see a Bass Pro Shop, so I think you need to walk that back, sir. Yeah, well, you need a lot of gasoline to access the Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, the uh, the hellscape is in Gwinnett. Anyway, let's. Um... <laughs> yeah, and and that kind of goes back to this the Mitchell Tolman uh, Hoy Park signings. Um, people are thinking that they're really going to be the shortstop or infielders for the Braves. Somebody has to play at Gwinnett because <laughs> after the season, I mean, basically they have a, they have a starting rotation. They've got a few relievers. They have some catchers. And they'll have Braden Shoemake. <laughs> Beyond that, you got you got to fill out a roster around them, and that's where a lot of these guys are going to end up going. Well, they might have Von Grissom. You just never know. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> a possibility. <laughs> All right. So why don't we back it up a little bit and um, let, let's talk about let's talk about some things. Since the last time we got together, it was actually just before the Rule Five draft. That was the kind of the main thing we were talking about. That seems so long ago, uh, but let's. Let's review the Rule 5 draft for the Braves. Uh, The Braves didn't lose anybody, which I think was uh, a somewhat minor miracle. And they picked up uh, a pitcher named Domingo Gonzalez. All right, so that concludes our Rule 5 draft uh, (laughs) wrap-up. Any any thoughts, Matt, on that? (laughs) uh, Not a whole lot, but I I did do some reading up on... um, Domingo Gonzalez from the pirate side. There was a, a pirate site that um, kind of put out a little report about him. Basically, he was kind of uh, met as a starter, and they moved him into relief last season, and uh, it seemed to really um, pick up the pace at, at that um, position. And there's some promise there. I mean, he's, he's likely going to report to Double A 
um, this coming season play for Mississippi. But, I mean, it's kind of uh, something like the, some of the minor league Rule 5 drafts of past seasons. You're kind of getting these guys to help fill in some of the cracks in the organization. And um, it's a no-cost flyer. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, like you said, the minor miracle, we didn't lose anybody. Uh, the one we had in particular was Victor Vodnik, and nobody took a chance on him. And we didn't lose anybody in the um, minor league portion either. So we'll take it as a uh, minor win, um, what happened during the Rule 5 draft. Right. And the Braves ended up prote- protecting um, uh, Darius Vines and Rodri Munoz as we predicted and Braden Shoemake as we did not predict. Yeah, we were always kind of if, if you know, Shoemaker, the only reason that we feel like they protected him was because they, of lack of any other real infield prospects in the organization. Um, if they were chock full of shortstops and other um, players of that type and had depth there I'm, I'm not sure they would have protected him but um seeing the state of the organization right now you know, that that it's very understandable why they did it yeah and obviously they still believe in him um that he'll turn it around here so um he'll get plenty of opportunities of course now that he's especially now that he's on the 40-man roster um so after that very quickly after the um Rule 5 draft and the winter meetings, uh, the Braves made a pretty significant trade. Uh, they picked up Joe Jimenez from the Detroit Tigers uh, to bolster the bullpen. Uh, he's he's not going to be the closer, but de facto, he's going to pick up the innings that um, are vacated by the departing uh, Kenley Jensen. Um, so what what do you know about Joe Jimenez? Yeah, I mean he's he, he's had some up and ups and downs. He had a really good season last year, and obviously, I mean, you look at his um, Statcast um, baseball savant page, and I mean, it's just a lot of red in there. So I think he's going to be play a good role. Imagine what's going to happen is he'll take over um, Raisel Iglesias' role that he had last season as Iglesias move in, moves into the closer role. So that back end of the bullpen is pretty short up, um, especially with like the likes of AJ Mentor, Dylan Lee. Um, and some of the other uh, pitchers, I, I mean, depending on what happens with Kirby Yates, I mean, the back end of the bullpen is going to be pretty full. And the Braves have done a lot of their work there already in the offseason, and there's really not much left to work in the bullpen unless they come up with a surprise signing here over the next few weeks. Uh, so I think it's a pretty solid move. The, the part that was kind of off to me, though, is everyone got one year of control on him, and they gave up Justin Henry Malloy and Jake Higginbotham to get him. Uh, thought Justin Henry Malloy, the cost was a little – high for one year of control of Jimenez. Yeah. And we haven't published our um, Braves uh, top prospect ranking uh, in part because whenever I start writing on another guy, he gets traded. Uh, But uh, one of the guys that I did a write up for was Justin Henry Malloy, and he was actually going to be number two on our list. So uh, it's very likely that the Braves maybe not had uh, had him rated that high. Um, and to be fair, it wasn't sure that he had a position. Uh, there, the, it sounds like Detroit's going to try him back maybe at third base to see if he can handle that. Uh, if not left field and obviously DH is a fallback, but, um, uh, I think he was, you know, pretty much by far the best hitter of the prospects left in the uh, brave system. Yeah, I think it's. I'm thinking the Braves probably kind of saw him as a tweener that he doesn't hit enough to be a DH and doesn't provide enough defense to play in the outfield, and his shortcomings in the outfield wouldn't be enough to pro- overcome what offense he was going to give, and especially the uh, 
not so great power, I guess. I mean, I mean, he didn't put up great power numbers, but he played at a lot of levels last season, especially in Roman, Mississippi, that really dampened power. So his numbers could be conceivably even higher in the power department once he moves to a different organization in different ballparks. But I think that's kind of where he was kind of a man without a position. I'm thinking that's the impetus for trading him even for only a year of a reliever. And let's also just say that this reliever Jimenez for the, the stuff he has and for the year he has the expected price tag on him in arbitration, which I think is only expected to be around three and a half million dollars. If you look at the free agency price of relievers of his caliber. <laughs> yeah. Going out to the market and getting somebody like that, um, it would cost a whole lot more than Justin Henry Malloy and uh, Jake Higginbotham. I mean, we're talking about three, four times the amount. I mean, you're probably talking about that 10, 10 to $12 million year, year range for one year. I think that's right. probably what it, you'd be looking at. It, and as we've seen uh, for subsequent events, it's clear that the Braves have a very clear number they're trying to stay below. And I don't think it's necessarily the – the collective bargaining tax number that uh, obviously is is very close by, but um, they obviously for long short range and long range purposes, they're trying to stay under a certain uh, number this year and a certain number for future years. So I don't know if they were prepared to get a to get a reliever of that caliber. Probably would have taken multiple years. Uh, and probably a higher price tag than you wanted to. As we saw, uh, Kenley Jensen went for a two-year deal in Boston. Uh, I sincerely doubt that uh, the Braves would want to uh, say, sign him back on a multi-year deal. Yeah, I, I think they'll be willing to go over for the right guy in the right situation, but I don't, don't – I mean, like in this case, I mean, prospects are prospects. They just, that's that's all that it cost them at this moment. And when you talk about Jimenez, and as we'll talk about in a little bit with Sean Murphy – um, when you get these really nice players or even up to elite players and get them on a nice cost control price tag for a couple of seasons or more, that's when it really starts working out. I and mean, if you could still stay under luxury tax, but they're not going to make a signing just to make a signing. They're not going to see them do uh, sign a, a random starting pitcher for three years and $40 million and put them over the luxury tax just because. Right, right. So you brought him up. Let's go ahead and talk about the Sean Murphy trade. Now, this was, uh, you know, by the purest definition, a blockbuster. You had a ton of players moving around. It was a three-team deal. The most entertaining part of this trade was the fact about how it was leaking out one player at a time. It started out as Sean Murphy has been traded to the Braves. <laughs> it took, what, about an hour and a half to get all the players involved, and they were just trickling out one player at a time. Right. It came out and we, and I think everybody, when they said Sean Murphy to the Braves and everybody immediately went, Oh, we're trading Contreras. Right. It makes sense. Right. Didn't figure that he'd be traded to the Brewers in the Sean Murphy trade. And then when you see the Brewers are involved, you had to figure Willie Adamas is going to be involved in here somehow. And turned out he was not. Right. All right. So this is, this is how the whole trade went. So the Braves ended up sending, uh, Freddie Tarnock, Kyle Muller to Oakland, uh, along with uh, Major League catcher Manny Pena, uh, and sending William Contreras to the Brewers. Contreras more or less paid for 
a Brewers prospect named Estreri Ruiz, a, an outfielder. He goes to Oakland, and uh, Oakland sends a uh, reliever named Joel Piampas to uh, the Brewers, and also uh, right-handed reliever Justin Yeager goes from the Braves to the Brewers. So from the Braves' point of view, they trade William Contreras, Manny Pena, Freddie Tarnock, Kyle Muller, and Justin Yeager for Sean Murphy. And, and Roy Barcelinas. And Roy Barcelinas. And he wasn't listed on the thing that I'm looking at. Yeah, so Roy Barcelinas, who uh, led the uh, Braves minor leagues in strikeouts uh, last season. So uh, that's a lot of dudes. Sean Murphy, though, is a dude. I don't know. I think from a value standpoint, this is a pretty fair trade, Matt. But um, holy cow, the holes in our farm system now, you could drive a truck through. Yeah, but you do have Sean Murphy cost-controlled for the next three seasons. I mean, he's got three years of arbitration right. remaining and looks to be making somewhere, I believe, around probably about $3.5 million this season. I don't, I don't think he's, they've settled on him yet. And I wouldn't be 100% shocked if he gets an extension before then. He seems like the kind of guy that they would be looking to extend. And he almost, in his early interviews, kind of sounds like a guy who might be open to that sort of thing. Um Manny Pena was almost just basically a salary swap. I mean, they, they wanted to get his $4.5 million off the payroll. You trade him, you actually saved a little bit of money um, in taking on Sean Murphy's salary instead of Pena's. I mean, it wasn't a, a huge amount. I think it, um, between the luxury tax and all that, I think they end up saving just under a million dollars. But it was more of a quantity over quality trade. I mean, there's some quality here, but when you look at the the players the Braves sent out, there are some definite flaws in these players, but there's some big upside as well. I mean, you see the likes of uh, Kyle Muller. I mean, he's basically the number one prospect in the organization, but some of the flaws, I mean, he's he was only four outs away from being off the prospect list altogether. So I think this is a sell-high deal on Kyle Muller because, I mean, number one, he's about to lose his prospect eligibility, and then he only has one option left. This And if it, once he used it this season, he would have almost no value next season when – he would have no options remaining, and basically, he becomes Sean Newcomb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, unless he, unless he, of course, you know, grabs hold of a starter spot in the major leagues, and and, and I think that was part of the problem too, because for the starting spots are set, the fifth spot you're basically looking at um, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, or Bryce Elder for that fifth spot. I mean, that generally was accepted. I mean, that's seven deep already. So you're looking at Kyle Muller as being at best, the eighth option in the rotation. So he was likely, and so that something went horribly wrong. He was likely going to start the season at Quidette and use up that option pretty quickly. And let's face it, he's had two pretty good years in Quinnett already. It was time for him to get a, get a job somewhere in the major yeah, league. Yeah, and, we, yeah and, and I think it's because this, over the last couple of shows, like it's, it's, it's put up or shut up. Like you either need to play him or trade him. Those are your two options. And sending him back to Gwinnett just to keep pitching wasn't really an option going into the new season. Right. And Freddie Tarnock has been a long favorite of ours. Um, Finally made it to the major leagues, you know, briefly pitched, you know, two-thirds of an inning. Uh, But um, also he seemed like a guy that was squeezed out by numbers. It it was already openly speculated whether they – would they just go ahead and move him to the bullpen – uh, I don't know what Oakland's plans for him are. I would not be surprised if they did go ahead and do that and just installed him in the major league bullpen and kind of let him take his lumps this year um, and, you know, and figure this whole thing out. But, uh, you know, Tarnock is a guy who 
it's a little hard to pin down. He had a kind of a breakthrough year in 2021. And then last year, his fastball looked really good. Um, his command was a little spotty in times, but that curveball that really was his breakout pitch, it wasn't quite as sharp last year. And that had to be a little concerning for Atlanta. Yeah, and, and like talk about Tim, mean, he's he's already this would already be a second year on the forty man roster. Uh, there's no definitive place for him in the organization. He was well down the starting um, pipeline, and I mean, if they moved him to the, the um, bullpen, that would kind of decrease his value. I mean, they got a lot of value out of him by trading him. But if you look at the, the his starting stats from last season, he started twenty three games. He only went as many as five innings ten times, and only went beyond five. Point zero innings four times last season. I mean, like you talked about, I mean, it, bullpen was always going to be in his future. It was just probably a matter of when. And like I said, I think they end up pulling the trigger on that one pretty quickly because um, I imagine Kyle Muller gets slotted in the starting rotation at Oakland from day one and Tarnock likely goes into the pen to, on day one as well. Right. And the uh, third pitcher going to Oakland, uh, Roy Bear Salinas, as I said, uh, led them. Braves minor leagues and strikeouts. Um, you know, when I saw him in Rome, very impressed with his fastball, just uh, really dominating stuff. If they decide to move him to the bullpen and kind of like Tarnock, I think that's going to be his role in the future. He could actually make it to the majors this year. Um, I think he'll probably start in double A, but um, uh, when he is on, um, he and he has that fastball cooking. Uh, he's very hard to hit. The thing with him is just um, lack of secondary pitches. And he, yeah, he projects as a reliever. I mean, he only averaged about, little, about four and a half innings to start last season. He did strike out with about thirty-eight percent of the batters he faced. He did walk about thirteen and a half percent. So I mean, there's some a uh, little bit of command issues there. But like I said, with the lack of the secondaries, and he, he's going to eventually project as a reliever. And I think that's what's going to happen. He probably, I imagine, somewhere probably he'll be in Double A this year. And if they convert him to the bullpen, I'd say by what probably All Star break or not too long after that's when he could project to be in the major leagues alongside Tarnock in that Oakland bullpen. Yeah. Now let's talk about the the guys we gave up for, to the brewers on this. It, it, everybody was kind of laughing that in this trade between Oakland and Atlanta, the winner was the Milwaukee brewers. They ended up with uh, William Contreras. Now it, it's pretty clear that the Braves, while Contreras did improve defensively, over the course of the season, this was still a major point of concern for Atlanta and defense behind the plate seems to be an area that the Braves simply do not compromise in. You know, we've, we've had a lot of catchers kind of come and go through, through the last several years, but you know, Tyler flowers was here for a long time, basically because he was uh, a great pitch framer. Um, and, um, it, we've had catchers like that. It's like, if you can hit great, but you have got to be able to manage this pitching staff, call, call a game, uh, frame correctly, block correctly. And now there's going to be a more emphasis on controlling the running game. Yeah. With the changes coming this season where you can only throw over to first base twice. And then if you throw the third time, if you don't get the runner out, he's automatically awarded second base. I mean, but if you get him out on the third try, yeah, that, that's, it counts as getting him out. But um, between that and the new larger bases, which is going to encourage more base stealing, I imagine whatever progress William Contreras made this past season would likely have taken a step back 
because of the new rules. And I think they saw that as well and decided to kind of sell high on him as well. And obviously getting Sean Murphy would help out dramatically in that regard because he's one of the best catchers in the game. I mean, he was third in MLB and F Ward last season, only behind uh, JT Real Muto and um, Adley Rushman. So um, they definitely upgrade in that regard. And unfortunately, William Contreras was a necessary cost for pulling this off. Yeah, and that was that was disappointing in a lot of ways. It's uh, Contreras is a very likable guy. Um, I've really enjoyed watching him come up through the minor leagues and uh, learn as he's come up. Um, and uh, hopefully he will uh, do well with Milwaukee because um, he's a, he's a good dude. So same thing with uh, Tarnock and Muller. You know, I've interacted with both those guys on a very limited basis, but uh, just seems like really nice nice guys that want to succeed and uh are willing to do what it takes to succeed um unfortunately i never really interacted with uh salinas or uh justin yeager but uh, obviously we're wishing all those guys well so we improve at a, a position of relative strength with uh sean murphy added uh to catcher uh, Travis Darno will probably catch less than 50% of the games now, I assume, assuming everybody stays healthy. There'll be DH work for both of them. What we still have for the Atlanta Braves, however, is uh, holes at, or at least seemingly holes at shortstop, uh, left field, and designated hitter. Uh, shortstop got some clarity <laughs> this past week. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll, we'll say that as positive we can when Dansby Swanson, uh, officially left the team, he signed with the Chicago Cubs for a very, um, impressive seven year, $175 million deal. He apparently allowed Atlanta to make a final offer. Uh, he, uh, according to Alex Anthopoulos, uh, he, you know, Swanson was willing to take less to stay with Atlanta, but Atlanta's valuation of him and what the Cubs were offering were just so far apart that they could not um, meet in a comfortable middle for, for both of them. So Swanson is gone. It looks like the position, well, you know, Anthopolis says that uh, it'll be up to Sticker, you know, Vaughn Grissom and Orlando Arcia will compete. But let's face it, uh, Vaughn Grissom is probably the favorite here, right? Yeah, I mean, Arcia, I mean, he's got – a couple of thousand plate appearances at the major league level. I mean, he did provide better value last season. He was hitting the ball harder than he ever has before. But even at when he played second base to fill in for Ozzie Albies last year, the whole I mean, he gets exposed the more he plays. Right. Uh, I, I, you feel pretty good about him playing a few weeks stretch, but once once he starts getting there longer and longer, uh, the, the tolls start showing on him. The holes start showing up in the game, and that's not a guy you want to see out there for 160 games during the season. Right. And there's still a chance that they may bring in another shortstop. Um, you know, there's a couple veteran shortstops still out on the free agent market in uh, former Braves prospect Elvis Andrews and uh, also Jose Iglesias. Um, not really exciting options, but, you know, if they if the Braves wanted to bring in a veteran, they're there. Then, then there's some there's some trade options available. Um, I know um, almost immediately after Swanson's um Signed. There was uh, news stories about teams inquiring about Jorge Mateo of the uh, Baltimore Orioles, who uh, started most of the year last year, but 
will seemingly be put on the bench this year in favor of, uh, you know, Uber prospect Gunnar Henderson, who's expected to take over short. And even if Henderson doesn't take it, the Orioles have two other prospects (laughs) at shortstop that could possibly take it. So, um, I don't know, Mateo, uh, if, if there's a lot of people, um, interested in hearing, this is where, spending all of our prospects on Murphy and Jimenez kind of comes back and bite us because we're running out of bullets in the gun, so to speak, to uh, acquire other guys. Yeah, and when you look at the the veteran guys, like you mentioned, like Andrews and um, um, Iglesias, I think the problem is there now is that all the big shortstops are off the board, and there are still teams that need shortstops. I know the Twins are still looking. Um, the, the Dodgers may be in the market, and I'm afraid that one of those guys is going to end up getting a multi-year deal. Uh Whereas if um, Alex Anthopoulos is wanting to get into one of those guys, I'm sure he'd be looking for a one-year deal. But those guys might get a two-year deal or a two-year with an opt-out or something along those lines that it's probably going to become a little rich or a little too long of a contract for Alex Anthopoulos' blood. I'm just throwing this out there. Do you think the Rangers may be interested now in trading someone like Marcus Simeon, who's a shortstop playing second base? Um, they've been spending a lot of money. Um if they could get out from under Simeon's contract and maybe replace him with someone like Gene Segura and, uh, and then, you know, get some extra money to go somewhere else. And the Braves would obviously play Simeon at short. I, I don't know if that's makes any I, sense or not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was the, I don't, especially with, when it comes to um, Dansby's cut, the contracts the numbers we were looking at, I mean, cause he signed for seven, one seventy seven. And the Braves apparently offered a $100 million contract over the course of the season, which I'm guessing was a six-year, $100 million deal. And then Dansby came back and offered to come back for six and 140. So I don't know if if that's the value they placed on him or the value they placed on the position and said, we can get um, Vaughn Grissom to play here if we can give us two to three war, but we only have to spend less than a million dollars that they're looking at as a dollar per war thing and I don't know if they would want to put big money into that position by trading for someone like Sammy and I just don't know uh, I know no, no, we had discussed among ourselves about <laughs> Pedro Baez <laughs> uh, about kind of have to hold your nose on that one even if they could trade um, Javi Baez Marcelo Zuna or, yeah I'm sorry yeah yeah that's why I was like, yeah, Javi Baez. I mean, even if they um, possibly trade somebody like uh, Marcelo Zuna to, to, to bounce out some of the money, it's still a lot of money over the next five years, and I just don't think they'd want to go down that road. I think they're just – if they can't get a low-price veteran option, they may just roll with what they got, especially if uh, if they can upgrade left field and they can just stick the shortstop in the number nine spots. Like, hey, give us defense. Um, we'll worry about the bat as it comes along. So let's talk about left field then, since we went, since you brought it up. Uh, obviously, um, Eddie Rosario is still on the roster. He's still getting paid. He's getting paid nine million dollars uh, to play left field for the Braves this year. Uh, obviously, a terrible season for him last year. We know the reason why. He had his uh, one of his retinas detached, and he had to have surgery to get it back. And quite frankly, his vision was never really all the way back until maybe toward the end of the season. Uh, he's going to be back next year, um, at least the way it's looking right now. Um, a left-handed hitter does not hit lefties particularly well. They seem to move um, to possibly give him a right-handed uh, platoon mate. With former uh, Diamondbacks outfielder Jordan Leplo on a relatively 
low dollar contract, $1.4 million for, for next year. Uh, Luplo is a guy that can play all outfield positions, doesn't make a lot of contact, does have some pop, uh, and hits left-handed hitters re- relatively well. Um, he's, <laughs> I hate to say this, he, he's a better defensive Robbie Grossman, but maybe doesn't hit as well. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Uh, I know it was uh, stated at the time when they announced the signing that he, he'd possibly be platooning with um, Rosario. It doesn't necessarily have to be that because he's only going to be making $1.4 million. I'm, that's not even twice league minimum mm-hmm. uh, and only 400000 more than Guillermo Heredia was making last season. He could easily take the Guillermo Heredia role, uh, just playing all three spots, provide good defense, um, get occasional starts against left-handers. Um, he could spell um, – Ronald Acuna, um, be a backup center fielder if Michael Harris needed some time off. Uh, it, he can be a platoon partner, but doesn't have to be. So, I mean, there's different options there, and they still got room. They can upgrade in left field if needed, but they could go to war with those two and feel at least pretty decently about it. Right. And they also brought in Sam Hilliard right at the beginning of um, the offseason in that trade with uh, Colorado. But Hilliard, he strikes me as someone who's eminently DFAable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much so. Um, you, you know, potential is there, uh, but he's been in the majors for a while yet and hasn't really caught on and hasn't really hit in Colorado. Um, so obviously, if they see something there, they obviously wouldn't have acquired him. But um, also, I don't think either Leplo or Hilliard would get in the way if they had the opportunity to improve in left field at all, which at this point, again, feels like more of a trade situation than a signing situation. There's just not much left out in the outfield. I know a lot of people this week were championing uh, Michael Conforto maybe for that spot. Um, Conforto coming off a, a pretty serious shoulder injury though. And I don't, I just don't see the Braves spending a lot of money to take a chance on a guy coming off a shoulder injury, which is a real wild card as far as hitters. Yeah, uh, especially when you have an outfielder with a bad shoulder. The Braves already have one of those, and it's not going particularly well, so I don't think they want to double down on that one. And I believe it came out, uh, I think it was a Ken Rosenthal column this week, that it's pretty much being speculated that Conforto's not even really throwing yet. Uh, I think, uh, And even Scott Boris came back and said, oh, no, he's throwing. He's throwing all the way up to 150 feet. Um, that's not something you want to hear when you're thinking about investing big bucks in a guy even for just one year to help him rebuild his value. Uh, he can go – do that somewhere else but i mean and there's um i don't it's not official speculation but i mean there's the name being bandied about this week was uh, andrew mccutcheon which i mean he he's not he's a kind of a shadow of what he once was but he can still play some decent corner outfield and um be a platoon guy um hitting left handers so that's that's a possible option although i don't know if they would go down that route uh, mccutcheon however also you know if you're talking about trying to fill maybe a leadership void with swanson le- leaving you know, McCutcheon is a proven clubhouse uh, positive, you know, so I don't know how much you put in that or how much the Braves put in that, but, you know, that's a thing too. Um, yeah, and they, and they might want to kind of shore up that area because, I mean, you got your, from your leadership standpoint, I mean, it's kind of being shown that Travis Darno is kind of your lead guy right now, but with so much turnover the last couple of seasons, who, who are your leaders after that? I mean, you got a lot of quiet guys. You got a guy, a lot of guys that are younger and wouldn't be able to step up for the role. And then, 
uh, probably wouldn't hurt to get another solid veteran in there. Yeah. The, I suspect these young guys will, they'll figure it out. You're right. Um, they've had their role models. Now it's time for, for one of them to step up. I, you know, whether that's, you know, Austin Riley or Ozzy Albies or even Ronald Acuna. And I know people are going to scoff at that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think Ronnie has it within him to be a leader. It's going to be a different kind of leadership than, you know, Nick Markakis or you know, someone like that. But it, leadership takes all kinds of forms. Yeah, I mean, and, and you see what he's been doing down in Venezuela this offseason. I mean, he don- donated his salary to um, – I think it's uh, underprivileged kids. Um, he's been kind of playing around in neighborhood games down there. I mean, that, that's kind of signs of a leader. It's not the kind of leader that's going to be running around the clubhouse telling him get on that field and play 160 games, but it's leadership nonetheless. Yeah, and when it comes to acquiring amateur talent in Venezuela, there's no better ambassador in baseball right now than Ronald Acuna being out there winning home run derby contests, playing with kids and just being an all round kind of awesome dude. Right. So, um, uh, I, I think, I think Acuna going down there and playing baseball was a, a, uh, really good idea for a lot of reasons. And I think that's probably had what go into the Braves thinking as well as by, from letting him do it because originally the plan was, no, you're not playing to, okay, you can play five games. Then that guy busted up to 10 games. It's okay. Okay. It's a minimal risk of him getting injured, but look at the rewards they could possibly reap from it. And I believe they're already being speculated for uh, um, players in the 2024 signing period from Venezuela. Yep. And that starts in just two weeks. So that's exciting. Yep. All right. So designated hitter, um, obviously it can be the catcher that's not catching that day. So, you know, probably Darno most of the time. Uh, but, you know, we still have Marcelo Zuna kind of uh, floating around out there, although I don't know if you caught this, but Jeff Schultz and, uh, interviewed Anthopolis um, for The Athletic this week, uh, mostly talking about, you know, Dansby Swanson and him leaving and that and that whole thing. But toward the end, he was asked about Marcelo Zuna and uh, Anthopolis said something kind of interesting. They He uh, was asked, will um, Marcelo Zuna be on the roster the spring training and um anthopolis said i fully expect marcelo zuna to be on the roster in spring training and schultz followed up asking what about what about after spring training and anthopolis just said ask me again in spring training <laughs> <laughs> not the, not the vote of confidence that one would be looking for <laughs> right it, at some point the braves have to ask themselves how much value is it to have that roster spot back because yes azuna can run into some home runs he 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 can you know if you give him enough at bats he'll hit you 20 some home runs but the problem is you're giving him those at bats and he just makes so many outs now uh he hits so many ground balls and he strikes out so many uh so much that the home runs really don't overcome it he can't run he can't field he can't throw and that's not even talking about the uh, off-field problems. Um, so I'm not sure what he's doing here anymore. Yeah, and uh, they post, somebody posted a video from earlier this week uh, in playing a winter ball, and it showed. It, it's it said basically even in winter ball they know about his defense, and they showed somebody uh, trying to score from second base on a. Um, hit the left field and obviously his uh, little pop gum arm barely got the ball back to the infield by the time a runner had scored. But um, part of 
what it might expect from him is that there, there was a trade yesterday where the Mets traded James McCann to the Baltimore Orioles, uh, and the, but they had to eat 80% of his money. And I think you'd be looking at a similar scenario if you wanted somebody to take on Marcelo Zuna's contract. I mean, he's owed $37 million over the next two seasons, and you'd probably talk about what somebody having to – the Braves had to eat roughly $30 million of that anyway if you look at that type of scenario. At that point, they're going to figure, okay, is it, is it worth $7 million to keep him around? Yeah, the only problem with that is James McCann can still catch, right? Yeah. He he still is a viable Major League Baseball player. He still can hit a little bit. And, he, and he, even in that scenario, they had to eat 80%. <laughs> he, right. Marcel Azuna, like even – you what who, what's the worst team in the Major Leagues, right? Um, I don't know. Who would that be? It would be um, the Nationals. So, yeah. Yeah, so – if magically Marcelo Zuna was on the Nationals, would he start? Probably not. I mean, uh, especially when they have um, – I think what's his name? What's the DH? The 41 – oh, uh, yeah, they still got like Nelson Cruz on the team, which is basically the same – They don't. They're basically actually, the same player. Actually, Nelson oh. Cruz is a free agent, so. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they have Joey Menezes. Who would you play, Joey Menezes or uh, Marcelo Zuna? Oh, Menezes, easily, <laughs> especially. Right. At, yeah, anybody that's got any kind of upside is who they're going to play. I mean, the only reason they would probably play Ozuna is to try to build his value to be able to trade him. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't I don't think this is, you know, they have uh, Jamer uh, Candelario now, too, who will probably play a lot of DH. I, yeah, it, it, I don't think Marcelo Zuna has any value. I think you, I think the Braves could pay all of his salary, and I don't know if there will be a taker for Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, uh, I mean, and the, really, really the only thing you can hope for is you release him, and somebody else picks it up, and get you get that seven hundred twenty thousand back in salary relief, and that, that that's about all you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where they are at at this point. They'll they'll bring him to spring training. Uh, they'll see if something got fixed um he can get it the ball in the air just a little bit more and make him at least a, a viable designated hitter option but um yeah it's it's not looking good and then at that point is who do you replace him with you know then i guess you get into the luplo hilliard um but in the end darno probably dhs most of the time so you know i think the Braves still have another couple moves to make here i don't think this is a finished thing now the other thing you have to keep in consideration here the Braves are really good as it stands right now <laughs> yeah i mean yeah they could go to war with what they have in left field they can go to war with what they have in shortstop they need to put together a bench i mean but you're already seeing the kind of the basics of that shaping up between i mean you got a back whoever's the backup catcher is going to be one of the spots uh if they're not DHing. i mean you got uh players they just picked up like hoy park i think there's a fairly decent chance he makes a squad even though he does have two options they could easily send him to gwinnett i mean he's a solid possibility to be a backup infielder and who knows uh between the the outfielders between uh luplo and hilliard that uh if they stick around i mean you have a backup outfielder possibility there and there's there's going to be guys on the street and i imagine uh Later on, right before spring training or during spring training, uh, Alex Anthopoulos is going to make some deals to bring some players in. You did the old uh, what they would do with Josh Tomlin 
back uh, for a couple seasons there, uh, bring him in for a song, and if he makes a squad, he'll make a million dollars. And I think he's going to be making those kind of deals. Right. And, and in the end, you're still looking at a lineup with Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, Ozzy Albies. You know, that's your one through six right there. That's as good as that's as good as the Mets. I know that's and, and full and full strength Ronald Acuna and a full season of Ozzy Albies would more than make up for what they lost in Dansby Swanson at shortstop. Right. You know, I, let's let's not kid ourselves. The Mets probably pulled ahead as far as the overall talent on the major league roster with the signing of Carlos Correa, but it's not so different that you just the Braves have no shot. Right, especially with the age of the uh, Mets rotation, they're talented, obviously, and uh, the bullpen keeps getting better and better. But it's still, they're still, they're not the juggernaut that I think a lot of people, especially New York Mets fans, uh, would have you believe right now. And Alex Anthopoulos may have seen what happened last season. The the opportunity cost of trying to win the division, as long as you get in the tournament you can do some damage and win doing that. It's not optimal, but it can be done. I mean, you saw that last season, the Phillies went to the world series and they didn't win the division. And based on how the national league is shaping up, it the Braves are almost a sure thing to get in. One, I mean, you got so many teams that aren't trying to compete. You got the reds, the pirates, the Rockies. I mean, the diamond bags, you got so many teams that aren't trying to do anything. Marlins nationals that there's a very good chance. They're going to get in regardless. And, you got to think he's wondering, okay, do I just manage whatever money we still have and hold back for the trade deadline? And you got a balanced schedule next year too. So um, I think that helps. Actually, it helps the AL East, I think, as a whole. Playing more games against the NL Central is probably a good thing. So I don't know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The, the Mets and the Braves aren't going to face each other, what, you know, yeah, probably what about twelve or thirteen instead of nineteen. So, I mean, there'd still be a good amount, but not anywhere near where it was. Yeah, but that also means the Braves won't be facing the Marlins or the Nationals as much. That's true. All right, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's about it. I mean, I think that there's the forty man roster stands at thirty eight, so there's a couple of spots still out there they could uh, fill in with some of these players. I'm kind of surprised they haven't picked up some of these kind of back end of the forty man roster type players. But I'm, there might be more of those moves coming that they could pick up and dispose of guys as needed over the next few weeks until spring training starts. But I imagine um, if you don't see any moves here in the next day or two, you're not going to see any until after the first of the year because I think basically everybody just made, shuts things down. And all the all the high-end free agents are off the board. Uh, you're not going to see any more four- and five-year type deals. The Most of the guys you're seeing out there now maybe of the two- and three-year variety. And you're seeing a lot this year of uh, two-year deals where there's an opt-out after the first year or there's an option and – I know that's not kind of the stuff Alex Anthopoulos gets into. So maybe once those kind of players are off the board, that's when he'll strike. Yeah. I think I saw six backup catchers being acquired to, today. So that's kind of where we are in, in free agency <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. I, I think, I know, I still think that there's a trade out there that's going to happen. I don't know what we're going to trade. We don't have much left, um, but we do have, we do have some, right? Um and I, I don't know how big of a splash it's going to be, but it still feels like there's another move that Atlanta's going to make. Yeah, and I've seen guys like Ian Anderson. 
if let's say you got those three uh, pitchers going for that fifth spot, let's say if uh, Mike Soroka gets that fifth spot, do you really send any Ian Anderson back to Gwinnett, or would he be met more value in a trade to another team? Yeah, I I do think I would rather see Anderson pitch and maybe establish value. Like I I don't know what his value is right now versus what it should be. Um, it might be higher than I think, though. I mean, he he was a successful major league pitcher very recently, right? So, yeah, he has a track record. <laughs> yeah, um, I do think that the Braves will need six starters uh, to start the season, and uh, certainly we know that they will need at least eight over the course of the season. So, uh, but does one of them need to be Ian Anderson? That that's the question. Yeah, because as of right now, you have. The, the two, well, whoever loses out on the Anderson-Elder-Soroka competition, then you also have Jared Schuster, Dylan Dodd, Darius Vines, all going to be at AAA. Darius Vines on the 40-man roster. And then even beyond that, you have Colby Allard and Alan Rangel, possibly. I mean, there's a lot of depth still, even with the trade. So I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe one or two more of those depart the organization. And Allen's on the 40-man Um I, I think we're in agreement. We don't want him to play a major part in, <laughs> no. in really anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even sure he's going to play a major part at this coming season. Right. I mean, we talked about Sam Hilliard being eminently DFA-able. I, I think Allard's in the same boat. But um, uh, on the other hand, they the Braves do seem generally curious to see if, if maybe they can uh, figure out something for Allard. Um, we'll see. But... Uh, as of right now, I don't, I don't think he's really in the picture. It's, um, it's really those three, Soroka and Anderson and, uh, and Bryce Elder. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Allard may even be a guy, if they DFA'd him, would anybody even claim him? Right. He, <laughs> he, he <laughs> might be back in Gwinnett very quickly after that. Yeah, it might just be a deal they did. nobody claims and they outright him and he's right back to where he was. Yeah. All right. And I think that'll do it. Um, We'll get back to you uh, uh, some point in the new year in 2023 with uh, the prospect of spring training just right around the corner. Until then, I hope everybody has a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, uh, Ios Saturnalia, uh, Festivus for the rest of us, whatever you celebrate. Hope you are doing it with loved ones and are healthy and happy. Happy holidays and a happy new year. Come, they told me. A newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring. To lay before the king. So, to honor him, when we come, little baby, I'm a poor boy too, I have no gift to bring. That's fit to give our king.
Rum bum bum bum. On my drum. Mary nodded. Bum 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 bum. The auction lamb kept time. Bum 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 bum. I played my drum for him. Bum 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 bum. Bum 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 bum. Played my best for him. When we come, then he smiled at me. Me and my drum. Me and my drum. Pa rum pum pum pum. Pa rum pum pum pum. 